0: So Lucy and Paul, if we uh, do a great job here today, what do you think from all your experience of working with teams should be a key takeaway for our audience today?
1: So for me, and Paul may well probably say the same, but for me it's about connection before the work. So often we see teams and they're just so task-focused that they're not spending the time to get to know each other, deepen relationships and have therefore have open and honest conversations
2: and just building what lucy said um on top of that just spending time with each other you know it's like we often get teams come together and they said that was just wonderful just being with each other and um that, that that's simple
0: that's simple hello our guests today are lucy widdowson and paul barber From Performance Edge Partners, a consulting firm that specialises in leadership and executive development and has become well known for training team coaches around the world. Paul and Lucy have been working together for the last four years, exploring people, purpose and the power of values and identity. With backgrounds spanning across aviation, FMCG and retail, they work together using the Creating the Team Edge approach, which launched in 2015. Both are also lead tutors at Henley Business School, placing Lucy and Paul at the front line of the team coaching industry in the UK. I'm Robert Diggings, and this is Highly Relational, the podcast about creating, leading, and developing great teams at work, along with all the joys and messiness of enabling and inspiring exceptional and sustainable human collaboration. We have one simple aim to help you create amazing teams with the people that you work with or the people you lead. In our conversation today, Paul and Lucy explain that connection must come first. Connection, then task. We are never the finished article. We're on a continuing journey as individuals and teams. And why you need to go where the work requires. Team coaching. We all know what that is, right? Like one-to-one coaching, but for a whole team. Well, it's probably more complicated than that because the theory and methodology is relatively new and there are numerous schools of thought and independent practitioners too. Before AI coaching burst into the marketplace... Team coaching was definitely the new thing in town. It was potentially more cost-effective in terms of money and time than coaching all the members of a team individually. And it somehow made sense as so many businesses are prioritising and incentivizing both teamwork and cross-functional working. So I began by asking Lucy and Paul what they see as the options when it comes to team development interventions and how a leader can know what's likely to work best for them. So many options, and um, I think training is the number, you know, people, leadership training, things like that.
2: But we often get approached about team building. I said, "Would you do a team building day? And, and a lot of those conversations then, we start talking to the team leader about what is really happening within your team. What are your, your deepest needs? What's really happening? What do your stakeholders require? And at that point, then, we end up talking about, well, actually, there's another thing we can do which is much deeper, much richer, and much more transformational. And, and you start having a conversation about team coaching. But, um, yeah, but a lot of times we get approached about team building, um, facilitation, training, things like that. But we end up having a conversation about, about team coaching. And, and they all can play a role, and we, we appreciate that. But we're obviously very biased, and <laughs> that we believe that team coaching's got a real um a real power beyond most other
0: um team development team development modalities. I mean, team coaching is uh, has become a really big thing in the UK. I mean, it came came probably it was probably bigger in the states, and of course we often mm. follow mm. the kinds of uh, interventions in the corporate workplace um that that started in, in the states. What's your what's your take on how the team intervention has developed over time, Lucy?
1: All you know, like coaching, obviously, team coaching is is growing in popularity, and I and I think that's because you know organizations, teams are starting to see that it makes a difference in terms of lasting change. So, um, you know, team building has that short term peak, and then often it just dips away. Um, and so. I think in terms of team coaching, that's why I'm so passionate about it as well, really, because I see it can make a difference and, and that lasting difference as well.
0: So how would you define it, your version uh, of team coaching, as opposed to, yes, facilitation or team building or team consultancy? Mm. What, what defines team coaching uh, for you? We do a lot of training with team coaches and a lot of us about, you know, the team coach becomes less, the team
2: can become more. And it becomes this moment when the team are asking questions of each other, having a conversation that they would never normally have. And, you know, at that point, the work is taking place. So it's um, if, I, if I was to uh, describe it in a non-academic way, that's uh, letting the team have a dialogue among themselves that they would never normally have. Um, and a conversation that they need to have about what, what the future requires of them type thing. And your job is just to, be to
0: create the space and to get out of the way. Yeah, it's fantastic. You just get, create the space and get out of the way is like a, a lifetime's <laughs> work yeah. and how to do that with some intention and skill. Uh, is is there a very close connection between what a lot of people may know as, as one-to-one coaching, exec coaching, for instance, and team coaching? Or is it rather unfortunate they both have the word coaching in and they're, in fact, very different things? What's your What's your sense of that?
1: I think at the heart of it, yeah, the, the approach is similar. So that, you know, you're, you're helping the team, you're you know, posing questions to the team to get them to then think about, you know, where they go and take their own solution, f- take ownership and find their own way. Um, and that links to what Paul just said about almost getting out of the way. Um, so that's where it's so powerful. Um, and it's the thing that, that most people that come on different programs we run grapple with. You know that whole thing between what is the difference between facilitation and team coaching, and what, what does that look like? And then they, when they start to sort of step back a little bit more, um, that's when they start to say, "Oh, but it feels like I'm not doing anything." And that's that's the, that's the the beauty. That's the magic dust.
0: And that's in some in some respects the paradox of the work. So mm. so tell so if you can unpack this a bit. More for us yeah. about how value can arise or emerge or be delivered, maybe uh, by somebody uh, adopting a position in the room where, in fact, they're not doing very much to to use your turn of phrase. How how is that? How is it possible that that makes a difference?
2: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think for me, it's the, the effort that goes into actually creating that that safe or even a courageous space type thing. Mm. So those conversations just don't just just don't happen right away, you know. And, and we we believe very much in having one to one conversations before we ever enter a room with with the team. And those are just so powerful. Like so, the amount of effort and the amount of meetings with the team leader or HR partners, different people. So there's so much happens before you get to that point. And then when you get into the room, we spend a lot of time just helping people to connect and hear each other's stories and find out more about who each other is. And and then that that piece starts to happen when, you you know, what are the conversations you need to have among yourselves about the future? Then that happens, you know, so um, that, that to me would be the way, the way to think about that.
0: What would you say about that way of being in the room? This, uh, I don't know whether you use the word stance or the orientation or the, the, the kind of um, what, what the coach is attempting to um, embody yeah. in the room that has an impact. How would you, explain that or...
1: Well, we grappled with this, to be honest, when we were writing the book and... I Carl, bet you did. It's Carl, complex Carl, hard. Carl Rogers, yeah. way way back in his way of being piece, he said, you know, it's a phenomenon not easily described. So we, we spent loads of time trying yeah. to articulate, well, what, what was this? And then we, we came up with the, the four C's... Um, after some time.
2: Started off with 12 Cs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then we and then it became four. Um,
1: and, and those four Cs was about connection, you know, that ability to create that psychological safety and um, the relationship and um, build that environment with the team. Um, and then uh, confidence, you know, that ability as a team coach to own your own story um, and, you know, to be self-confident and uh, self-aware as well. Um, do you want to do the other two? Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> Courage, courage. So this is about just being deeply, deeply present in the moment and all the other stuff going on in your life type thing, being aware of it, noticing it, but being there in service of the team in, in that moment, which can be really challenging when, when there's stuff going on and rec- recognising when you shouldn't be in the room uh, and making that decision as well. And in the last C, we, we struggled in this. So the word continuing, which is about just this this humility that you, we're never the finished article. We're all perfectly imperfect and that's perfectly OK. And we're all in this continuing um, learning journey. And part of that is supervision. We, we believe passionately that team coaching supervision is absolutely crucial because the work that we do, it's, it's so complex. There's so much. stuff. I love the one-to-one coaching. I do love it. But it nearly seems sometimes when you get it it's just so dynamic and so complex and so mm. much going on, that supervision is required for both. But for team coaching especially, it's crucial.
0: A lot of people listening will know what uh, what you mean by supervision. But for for anybody listening who'd like, well, what what is that? What does that look like? And what's it's what's the point of it? Why do team coaches or co- coaches in general uh, need supervision, Lucy?
1: So the, the opportunity of um, supervision is like sort of co-partnering, um, and it's the opportunity for people to come and to explore their practice, really, um, and explore what's been happening, the dynamics that they're facing. And that's why it's it's so critical uh, for team coaching, because you've got the dynamic of you and potentially a team coach. You've got the dynamic of you working with the team, you with the wider system. Um, and, you know, that brings up so many complexities and challenges. So, um, interestingly, so um, in the supervision I've been doing is the team coaches um obviously they're coaches as well but all they're always bringing team coaching um challenges because it's just so much more complicated i think
0: it is you're you're stepping into a well there are different ways of looking at it but you're stepping into a system or a relational system or uh, you know in in kind of layman's terms, you're, you're stepping into a group dynamic you know mm-hmm. but there are already relationships and there are already ways that that group mm-hmm. um, that have Possibly not deliberately, but they've come up with a way of in, of um, interacting with one another. I'm curious about how you train people to do this. It's work that I do, and um, I kind of make it makes me think about my training and what you know. How do I? Uh, uh, what am I attempting to do uh, in a team intervention? I'm curious about how fundamental you are around what wh- what's okay and what isn't. That I'm, I'm curious about that. Are there, you know, if if it st- starts to be facilitation, is that uh, is that okay, or is facilitation a part? Of, can you can you be a great team coach without being able to facilitate? Would, I'm, I'm curious about that. You mentioned team building at the beginning. Um, I, I'm not sure whether you've dismissed that as something that doesn't add value, or whether you would see that that complements a, a team uh, coaching intervention. Yeah i'm also interested in, in in on the other side it's like can all teams be coached uh, um or does a team need to have a particular mm-hmm. orientation in even, for for that to be effective yeah. so where, where would you like to where's the where's the juice here for you where might well, we go so with this? <laughs> i
1: know yeah. i know mm. I, I suppose mm. it's just to sort of start it, this was an area that the whole um you know different modalities and team co- team coaching piece and the facilitation piece was was an area that um, when we were developing um, the, the ICF competencies that, that we grappled with, it was the biggest area of discussion, I've got to say, about facilitation versus team coaching. And there are different schools of thought. And I think the, the schools of thought, if you look at some of the competencies that have now come up, both from ICF, EMCC, and then AC, you know, it is it's almost... You will, at times, move between them. Um, yes, maybe you spend more of the time in team coaching, but maybe initially there might be some more facilitation. Um, and it's it's hard to work out where that where that sits. Um, that's sort of some of the journey, really, that people explore when they come on um, a development programme, really.
2: I'd say the facilitation skills are crucial to have those. Mm. But the people that come on the programmes are usually world-class facilitators. They're just amazing. Yeah. So a lot of it's about on-learning. So, you know, and, and a lot of time we talk about, I love, was um, David Clutterbuck talked about, um, he said that um, facilitation is, you know, you're managing the dialogue. Yeah. Whereas um, team coaching, you're, you're letting the team manage their own dialogue. So a lot of times we're helping team coaches on-learn the great facilitation they can do. And what we, what we work quite hard in terms of like, you know, we want it to be pure team coaching. But in the reality, as we do say, when you're in the room, you will be facilitative a lot of times to get to that team coaching conversation so that's how they meld together and you mentioned the, um, the, the team building we're, we're, we're just saying that you know that can play a role on a um, on a team coaching journey I, I last week worked with a professional artist we got 35 people in one hour to write a song and sing it together and it was one of the most glorious moments of my life it was absolutely amazing And, but then sitting back after that to say, well, what does this mean for how, Mm. what you're going to do next week? And we actually didn't do enough of that. As I was reflecting with Lucy yesterday, we didn't do enough of that in that thing last week. And that was a, you know, a learning. But if we're doing team building, how does it fit into the journey type thing?
0: Yeah. Yes, and and the uh, processing of it, yeah. the the deconstruction of it, the where what 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 did, what did we le- and so often team building hap- Well, in my experience, team building happens, and there isn't it isn't within the context of a bigger piece of yeah. of understanding or learning or relational improving relationships. Yeah. It's kind of a thing that sits on its own, and then it's like, well, we did that. That can I mean, there's a there's mm. a shared experience value in that, yeah. but it, but it, but there's so much more opportunity yeah. to uh, to explore it, of course. When you're training uh, coaches uh, to work using your model, what do you see as being the the challenges that keep coming up? It's like what, what uh, from a practitioner point of view, I'm curious about what the edges that needs to. You talk about unlearning. What what are the few edges that really uh, seem to be consistent? consistently difficult, perhaps, to learn or to understand?
1: I think it's some of what we've talked about in terms of that ownership piece, you know, that feeling that if I'm with a team, I've got to be working really hard. I've got to be asking loads of questions. I've got to be holding the mirror up. Um, and, you know, in team coaching, we we talk, you know, we we help team coaches to find the way of helping the team to hold their own mirror up. You Know so they're, they're starting to do the work themselves, um, and, and almost then the team coach is, you know, metaphorically then sort of stepping away, really. Um, and, and then the team are then able to then do that work when they go back in the workplace as well. Um, which I think makes such a huge difference,
2: yeah. I think for teams, like when the teams that we work with just they're not spending time together, not spending quite, they're so. The, yeah. I spent twenty years in corporate life, and I remember when I when I f- finished that phase of my life, my emails went from hundreds per day down to like one per day, and I'm going, "Ooh, <laughs> uh, I still love that feeling." <laughs> so, but the sheer intensity and the pressure that people are under day in day out, so taking time out, you know, just to you know, and, and making sure you prioritize time together, and then what you do with that time together, making that you know better quality time in terms of the, the, the quality of conversation. And that that to me is the number one thing that teams sort of like need to do and want to do and wants to do it to go, wow, this is really important. And we we hold them responsible for, you know, we hold the teams accountable to say, okay, you know, it's a journey, team coaching. That's one of the things we we always differentiate between one-to-one coaching. If you take one-to-one coaching, it's very rarely ever just a one-off coaching session for one session. And we often say to leaders, you know, tell me about one-to-one coaching you've done. And, you know, was that a number? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is exactly the same. This is a journey over time. This is not about a one-off. You know, and that, that's the way we we think about
0: it. So let's let's uh, um, unpack to some degree the approach that you use, which is which you call creating the team edge. Uh, what what is that approach? If you had to do an elevator pitch for uh, for a, for a client who just you know or somebody somebody you meet who goes, well, what is it? How 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 do you? I, 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 of course, people can read your book and look at the website, but for for for, for the purposes of our conversation today, how would you describe that? Uh, so that we could have some understanding of the way you work and the and the theory or the model that lies behind your work.
1: The essence of it is helping teams collaborate better. That's that's at the essence of it, really. In in order to obviously create lasting change and improve, you know, their ways of working, their thinking, um, and and really, you know, be purpose dri- driven. So that's sort of at the heart of it. I mean, the the model looks at um, seven characteristics and. We developed that from um, lots of research, both academic research, but also experience of working with teams. So back in 2015, um, developed it with sort of three other partners at the time. And then um, Paul and I then developed it further when we then wrote the book. Um, and we did some robust challenge of it as well yeah. at the time. So we, we also then looked at, well, actually, is this still relevant? Um, we did sort of change it at one point and then we came back to it as it was so it looks at these seven characteristics they're not linear they um, it, they look at purpose in terms of the team purpose obviously the link between that and strategy objectives uh, it looks at the identity of the team how they want to be known and described uh, it looks at um, values and beliefs what the team needs to value and believe in um, do you want to talk through the other ones yeah <laughs>
2: so things like um, where's of working so just processes meeting, all those sort of things how, how the team works and um, the whole area of um, awareness, you know, being aware of the self-awareness individually, the team awareness and then systemic, you know, everything connected. And um, the whole area of transformation, just like um, just th- thinking bigger about the, the future and what's, what's required. And then the whole area of, um, I'm not going to forget the last one now, do you say? It was you know, relatedness. Relatedness. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had this debate about like, you know, purposes in the centre when you see it graphically. But do we put that in the middle and say it's not like that? It's just they're all important. So relatedness is about um, just this idea of, of being deeply connected enough to have really open, honest conversations, which we often find um, people say exist, but when you get into the room, they're, they're, sometimes they're not there, you know, so that, that'll be
1: the, yeah.
0: the seven characteristics. So with those sev- those seven characteristics, uh, to, uh, this, this is this is m- my interpretation. You tell me whether you see it this way. Mm. I-, I think you are, or for me, you are deconstructing um A number of things. You're deconstructing human relationship. You're you're deconstructing the context of purpose that a team in a business would have. In other words, it's 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 intended to do something, deliver something to somebody or to another team, or to um, create an output of some kind. And you're you're deconstructing something around the often unconscious processes that are going on yeah. in individuals and in the team as a whole. That's where I go with your model. But is yeah, that yeah. kind of right? Or how would you describe what you are intending the model to achieve for a, a team that's engaging you?
1: Mm. They're lovely. I, yes, I think you've done a great job, actually, <laughs> a really great job. And it's not the work, it's yourself. It's yeah. it's a... It's a um, Support to the work, you know, so it it helps the team sort of understand, well, where are they now? What are the areas of strength? What are the areas that they might want to work on? Um, And, you know, it gives some signposting for them, I think. So that's why we seem to have teams really like to get that, you know, that feel, that view of where we are. Um, and, yeah, it may inform them where you go. So, you you know, you might then see, well, the t- the, you know, a strength of the team is the, re- you know, relationships or the relatedness. Well, how can they leverage that to then do some of the other work, perhaps in the wider system with stakeholders? So... It it gives a really, I think, a really good picture for the team of where they are, how they stack up at the moment, um, and and then where to go on the journey um, and what to pay attention to.
2: And Lucy, would you say where the team may go? Yeah. So we're really, really, when we contract with the team leader with the team, we say this is this is these are some areas that we believe are, from from science we know these are important areas for team effectiveness, and we but we will go where the work requires.
0: Of course. But we're yeah. not
2: we're not saying it has to be this this this. It's not like that at all you know and it's um and and when you do what type of work um, it just changes all the time which is, which is why the work is so exciting hmm.
0: yeah. and there, and I am I'm, I'm making up that there will be some kind of diagnostic that uh, assesses how the team is currently performing through the lens of, of your model would that, is that is that correct or do you do it a different way
1: yeah no there is diagnostic yeah, yeah so yeah there's a, a web app and yeah they they can use a 360 um and and then from from that obviously co-partnering with the the team and the team leader we then sort of decide where does the team want to go where do they want to to
2: you know focus on and partners when we had we were writing about this and thinking about it we were prioritizing well, what where does that come a diagnostic and and we 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 would prioritize one to one interviews with every team member and some stakeholders if possible and team diagnostic then, closely after that, would be, you know, if we can do both those, brilliant. Um, but we think it's really, really important, to, especially with the stakeholders as well, the team that is, is a 360
0: view. That's so, uh, fantastic. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm interested in this uh, mixture of science and um, kind of humanity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and whether... So here's a slightly challenging question, I guess, or a courageous question: is 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 the data just because that's what's expected? Do we do do we really need the data, um, mm. or or do we need the data just because we're in such a mentally identified uh, culture in the West that mm. uh, there is an expectation? data drives businesses in so many ways? It's like, so we need data, we need some figures. So, are, is your is your belief? That those that data is actually essential to this process that you are taking a team on, or, or is it really just to create some kind of comfort? Or, or you, you understand my point? Yeah. Could it be done just relationally rather than going? Let's actually do get some numbers on this.
1: Nice. I think it could be both actually. So, um, yeah, when we're working with teams. They do seem to like the data. Yes. They seem to they yes. seem to like to have that feed, feedback around. Well, where are we? How do we stack up? Mm. Um, and 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 I think obviously the, the relational part of it is there within one of the seven characteristics, and obviously it links into another yeah. others as well. However. Um, it also gives them some insight then around well how strong is our purpose you know because often we find yeah, organisations more more readily have done work on purpose now individuals might have done some work on purpose but often we come to work with teams even boards and exec teams of well known organisations and they haven't they haven't done work on their team purpose so you know it informs that as well and and you know gives gives an insight as to well actually is everyone really clear on what that is and what it means uh, you know how do i live purpose how do i live our values what does that mean in terms of our behaviors
2: yeah i'll give you a lovely example of a recent um a team filled the diagnostic and done the one, one one interviews and one of the questions was about you know how important is it for this to be a team and the team members scored it really lowly and that became the work, you know. That became, you know, the mm-hmm. essence of, well, you know, do you want to be a team? Is it important? You know, what does that look like? And and that discussion is a discussion that we helped the team have over that period. And all the other stuff we thought we were going to do just went out the window. And that became, and that just came from one question on the diagnostic that just really caught caught their attention.
0: Yeah. So it, it's capturing, um, possibly a gap in their thinking or in their uh, uh, collective awareness or maybe it's just not ever been discussed because uh task is taking over so I get I do really get a sense from the way you're describing the way you work uh, as it being a, an opportunity for the team to step back and almost look at themselves as if they were another team and kind of go, no, this isn't about yeah. the work now. It's a kind of meta-conversation uh, in some respects.
1: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. The number of the areas are really looking under the surface. You know, uh, oh, uh, yes. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, purpose, identity, yeah. values, beliefs. They, they're really looking at often things that teams haven't articulated and they haven't talked about, however... It's still there, so you know, even though they haven't talked about what their identity is, the team will have formed some sort of identity. Uh, yeah. So it helps them to decide. Well, actually, is that identity the one that we actually want and is right for us? Yeah. Um, so I think it surfaces some of those questions and conversations. Absolutely.
0: Do you think all teams um, need to do this? Is it kind of a almost a human? Uh, requirement um in, in in maybe in the modern in the modern world or are we there's a, there's a the kind of question that i'm sitting on is why why there's any need for this almost it's like we are social we're told we're we're social creatures we're we're running the the the, uh, the earth for better or worse we're the lead species on on the planet or, or we certainly believe we are yeah. we appear to be yeah. on some level um we have evolved as social animals, um, and relationship one might think is at the core of that. How come? How come we, that intervention is needed? Well, I think about this every day, all day. I, yeah. I
2: grew up in Northern Ireland during the Troubles, and um, where I grew up, with two communities, we walked to school different pathways. We did, and I was sixteen before I met somebody from the opposite community, despite living across the fence. And so I just think human beings um, can collaborate much better. You know, I think we need support, and that stuff that happens. You just look at the world and look at everything going on. We need support to collaborate better together. We we just need it. And um, I think the stats it was the Price and Toy two thousand seventeen. What was the figures
0: at thirteen percent?
1: Thirteen percent of, of teams were accelerating. You know. only
0: just say what you mean by that.
1: Their um, term for sort. Of you know, high performing was accelerating. So that they found in their research of three thousand teams, only thirteen percent of teams were accelerating. Which is it's not not, not a huge percentage.
2: Uh, no. And if you don't agree with that one, there's the wage money tile was 208, it was I think it was twenty one percent of teams they said, operating at the highest level based on their six conditions for, for team So whatever figure it is, if it's thirteen or twenty one percent, um you know, t- teams do need support, like to to move forward, and, and we as human beings, it's, it's a bigger thing, we need to, the collaboration thing needs to happen at every level mm. in society, politics, mm. um, everything, and that's what drives us. We were talking about why we, we wrote a book together. Was um, our purpose? Our, we joined, we agreed. What is our purpose for wanting to work together and trying in this area? And it was a bit um, helping people to collaborate better. Was the essence of it? Was the essence of it?
1: Yeah, and and I've you know I've got a number of teams I'm working with already probably in that accelerating and yet you know they're choosing still to continue to want to invest in doing this work because they've seen that it's notched up you know marginally notched up performance and their ability to you know connect with a wider organization and make change um so they, they're wanting to carry on which I, I think phenomenal actually
0: and of course those teams know what journey they've been on and they also um, have a direct experience a lived experience of what the uh, work has given Mm. them and, and how things have changed for them of course, we're all kind of living in our own bubbles, and we all we all normalize yeah. in t- to a great deg- degree what what our own experience is. So, how can somebody listening to this now, who is in a team, is in a in a, in a corporate team, a business team, maybe even leads a team, how could they make um, an assessment of how well they're doing, how well they're co- collaborating, and whether they actually need any help? What what would be the things that they could? Look out for or see is this is this happening do we do uh, yeah. in order for them perhaps to realize that they're in the you know that they could do be doing much better or maybe they're already doing really well and they could be helped further but how how do how do teams assess themselves I'm kind of asking before they reach for an intervention or someone mm. who might be able mm. to supply an intervention, yeah, I think the most simple, simple
2: thing for any leader to ask your team is like, "What are we doing? that's brilliant? What are we doing? that's great? What do we have to celebrate and then what 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 could we do better? You know I work with this wonderful um um partner in a, an organization, and they they talk about um what works well, and e b i even better if every conversation I have e b i even better, even better even better yeah, if, yeah even love better that. If. Yep. I love it like and every conversation we have um. And this should say, like, you know, right, what worked really well there? And even better if, you know, and at the start it was quite tricky, but I love it now. You know, and Lucy and I, we we do this as well. We have open, honest conversations. What could we improve? What could we do better? So just asking a team that question, and uh, and that stuff will come out. Stuff will come out. So we need to do this, 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 and this. At that point, then it's a conversation then with what would help us support, improve those areas. And that, that, that leads to the, you know, whatever that is for that team. Mm.
0: I, I I'm a little I, I, you, I think you mentioned rogers earlier so i'm 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 also very interested in the uh, potential crossover between therapy mm-hmm. and coaching and of course the uh, much of the way that even supervision and and some of the ways that uh, coaches are um, trained and uh, even what's considered to be good work yeah. um, is predicated on the therapy world to some to some degree and in some places do you think that a large part of what team coaching is about is a kind of corporate therapy. I'm curious about the need that we have as as individuals, and I'm wondering about the work of Gabal Mate and the um, the his kind of interpretation that so much of what the problems are that we have as individuals and collectively is trauma based. Yeah. Uh, it's about how we mm-hmm. um, how our needs perhaps weren't met well as as children when our personality structures were forming, and so. I, I, um, I hesitate to ask this because I know that there are important distinctions, of course, between coaching and therapy. But where where does that sit for you? That in fact, if I was to be uh, provocative, I'd say, well, it's really therapy. It's therapy, isn't it? But we don't call it that because um, maybe corporate therapy. Maybe there are corporate therapists in California. I don't know, but <laughs> but maybe London isn't ready, or or the UK isn't ready for that idea.
1: I think we've we've got some really important learnings that we've drawn from yeah. from you know the therapeutic foundation really mm. um that does inform some of the work in coaching in team coaching um a whole piece around you know empathy and and relations and yeah, relationships so all, all i think a lot of that's really informed and and you know, and the work around group dynamics as well. We've learnt so much from that. So I think those things definitely, definitely play into team coaching. Is it therapy? I think it's it's bigger than that. I think you know, it's that whole systemic piece of um you know, all of the parts playing out and, and often actually as well, it's you know, we obviously you're not just working with a team, you're often working with a team of teams as well. And and so I think it's that systemic lens shows it's obviously this is systemic park therapy too but you know it's sort of even bigger I think I don't know, what yeah do think? I,
2: don't know, I don't know who said it I did, did quote it in the book but um coaching is not therapy but it's therapeutic in nature and I love I love that way of thinking nice it. yeah and one of the things we often um we, we don't like tables in rooms okay and basically we we'll have a circle of chairs and people walk into the room and they go oh this is interesting
0: mm.
2: you know right away there's something different about the way that we work with, with mm. teams that um it creates a shift in mindset. And even, even if it's on, on using Teams or Zoom, you know, the space is created as well, we're very conscious within minutes we'll have people in breakout rooms talking to each other, you know, breaking it down, building relationships. So, yeah, it's it's a fascinating that, um, yeah, where does the line cross? But that's that's a bigger question for coaching and therapy and, you know, that's a really difficult question too.
0: Let's talk a bit about the work you do training practitioners because I know you're... you're uh, business uh, office consultancy, mm-hmm. and you go and as you've already um, alluded to, a lot of intervention work, a lot of yeah. working with teams a, a kind of doing doing the work if you like but a, a big part of your work is also now in training other practitioners in your model and in the way to be mm-hmm. this this idea of being in the room and but but stepping back and allowing rather than leading or facilitating uh, what was the purpose or what was the intention around training others lovely question and I, I never actually actually thought back and thought about that um is it you I actually
2: but have an answer but you want to, you have any thoughts
1: yeah i think it it is probably around well i'll actually love it i absolutely love it um and so i'm trying to search as to mm. what 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 was at the heart of it and because
0: you didn't need to do that. It, says no, the, it says something about it says something about the two of you and yeah but i'm 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 curious as to what it is because you could have just you could have just you know carried on working with yeah. teams so but you're choosing to support the industry in one way and you're also wanting to develop others in in doing the work that you do and that's a different thing that's a yeah. different um
1: yeah it
0: has a different intention and it requires a different skill set i imagine
1: yeah i i think actually at the at the sort of heart of it when i i look inside and just think about it i think it's about coming back to this passion of absolutely believing team coaching can make a difference. Um, and therefore obviously it's fastest growing area in terms of coaching specialism, well, AI, the exception, um, <laughs> uh, it's also helping others to become pioneers in that as well. So, you know, um, you know, t- developing people so they go out and do that work as well and make a difference. And I think it comes back to, at a deep level, our purpose again about wanting, you know, to help teams, organisations collaborate better. Um, and so we see through, you know, developing others to do that, we could be making a bigger systemic difference, really. Um,
2: yeah, and I think we, w- we wrote together the book, that was all about helping people collaborate better, and then this this happened I'm a great believer if you just open yourself to the world, things can can arrive and happen. But I just look around the room and go, wow. The, the, the industries, the, the people that the courses seem to attract. I'm just dumbfounded by, by that. And and then that those people are gone off and having an impact, it just brings so much joy. And we, we love we love working together, love doing it. Mm-hmm. But um it's just that impact that that you'll never know about. And you, and you get a message a year later, I got one the other day, and people saying by the way, that had a big impact on me. Thank you. And so you just have to let it go, and you don't know what's happening. <laughs> you just do the work and believe in what you're doing, and um, and and let
0: things happen out there. That's is my thinking. And and what what's your sense of the personal impact that you the training has on the individuals who come? I, I'm curious about. Um, it 's very clear to me that you 're wanting to develop their practices and therefore them as individuals but i 'm wondering what what you 've seen people take out of the training that you offer for themselves as uh, personally, not just professionally but as 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 human beings and how they function in the world
1: mm. Well, actually, I was only having this conversation last night with someone that had asked for a call, someone I've known for years, and they were thinking about um, doing some team coach development. And, and I think it's it's the reflective practice. It's the, you know, that self-discovery piece. It's really thinking about who I am um, and, you know, my story and um, developing that back to the whole way of being peace, really. That's, that's just the sort of the essence, really, of it. It's that that really powerful internal journey of who I am and um, how I'm going to be in this work.
2: Yeah, the reason I signed up for the masters initially, come back years ago where we met, was Professor Alison Hardingham, and she said, "If you come in this program, um, we'll help you fall back and break break you apart." I think it's didn't say those words, but help you fall back in love again with yourself. So I think this thing Lucy mentioned there about you know your story. So really helping people just to really sense who they are. And how that then, what that means for the work in the room, mm-hmm. and um, and when you do that, it's just it's a different it's a different level of work, you know. When you're, you know, you're you're comfortable who you are, demons and all, and you're just very authentic in the room with whoever's in front of you, and um, and, and things can
0: happen then. Um and I could argue, I'm curious what, whether you would agree. I could argue that what you've just said is in fact the work of becoming a great leader. So what do you see as the as as the as the connection there or the the similarity between what you're training a practitioner to do in the room as opposed to what what a great leader might need to be able to be in the room
1: mm. I think it's developing the human yeah you know and and that absolutely plays such a massive part it's at the core of leadership isn't it it's de- developing that leader as as a human being um, and their ability to, you know, connect with themselves, connect with the team, connect in the organisation. Um, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, we, we and one of the models we, we, we designed in the book was about um, way of doing and way of knowing up here in the axis, very hard to yeah. graphically, yeah. and down here way of being. And when we use that in leadership development type work as well. So, you know, it, w- it was created through team coaching, but to be truly transformational you need to know your stuff, you need to know all that stuff, that technical stuff up here. But this way of being, this essence, the spirit, is um and the four C's we talked about is absolutely crucial. So it very, very similar. Yeah, very, mm. very, very similar. Um, yeah, definitely.
0: I like what you've done there because I think you've highlighted the um what would I, I well I want to say, the difficulty mm. of that work, of yeah. that personal work. It's yeah. not a Mm. um i think there's a, a, a it's a quite an old idea but um and i'm not sure which tradition it comes from but it's but it's something along the lines of if you have any choice about whether to do that work don't do it yeah. and if you if,
1: <laughs> if you have
0: no choice do it as quickly as possible um but it's yeah. that it's a it is a it's an ordeal it's a it's a um uh, it's no it's no it's no um walk in the park no. to to do that in a reflective self-aware um journey of so what, what what is going on inside me almost yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah absolutely mm. absolutely it's an absolute pleasure uh talking to you both and i so <laughs> appreciate you coming um uh to to the studio to to have this conversation uh, we want to, uh, there are many kind of actionable things that you, uh, tips and things that you've said already, but I'd like to capture um, in just a moment some thoughts about how could somebody listening to this, whether they're a practitioner or a coach or a trainer um, who works with teams or uh, somebody on a team or leading a team, how could they do something different that would bring to life some of what we've talked about today in their own working environment, Um but but the last thing I'd love you just to talk about is kind of where we started with, which is this in 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 your book. There's a there's something around getting beyond um, techniques and tools, and yeah. and you have mentioned this phrase way of being. So yeah. just before we move on to some kind of practical ideas, could you both just speak a bit about this this idea of way of being again, so that we really understand or get some sense of what you're pointing to? Mm.
2: Mm.
0: I, I guess if I put down the one word, it, it's essence spirit
2: you know love you know you don't go that far it's like it's something much deeper mm. and when that's in the room it's it's contagious and it's contagious and so it's um, and I, I love what Lisa said earlier on with Carl Rogers saying don't even try to describe it <laughs> try and put words on it you can take away from its very essence and we we did try to put words on it so it's, um, <laughs> yeah so that, that's my essence spirit love those sort of things Um is what when we're thinking of when
1: we think of a way of being, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's it's a it's a, a deep connection. It's a deep connection, yeah, with self and with 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 others and the team. So, yeah,
2: yeah. And I think it's, I just I just I think of the world that we're in. It's like you know how do how do you love your enemy? You know, and that that's the greatest challenge of humankind is to... You know, like where I grew up, that was a challenge. You know, how do you really, really, whatever's happening, just be really curious about it and go, that's interesting. We do not know what's going on in people's lives. We just do not know. And the whole other people graciously would be the, that's the essence
0: of it, the spirit of it type of thing.
1: Mm.
0: Thank you. So practical tips or um, things that that somebody listening to this today could do differently uh, in the next few hours or tomorrow or at a next um, team meeting or off-site, how, how could they bring something of what you've um, shared with us today that doesn't require an intervention that they could just do themselves if they're a leader or um, a team member?
1: Mm. So I'd start with connection before the work. So rather than just jump into task, ask people how they're feeling. And a question we ask is, and how are they really feeling? So... Find out, find out what's going on for people, and give them time to be heard,
2: and make it safer. Like ask people to turn to the person beside them, because people find it difficult in larger groups. Turn to the person beside you and just talk about this, and then maybe share something back into the room again. But the big one for me would be collective intelligence. Mm. I love the theory of collective. We both love it, and um, this society has been proven that if you take time to think individually, and then each share your thoughts and then discuss, team performance improves. And when we share that with organizations, people start doing, oh, wow. You know, and and just we talk about inclusiveness. That, for me, is one of the most inclusive things that you you can ever do. Give people time to think individually and then share their thoughts. Um, It's a
0: beautiful thing. Lucy, uh, Paul, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your experience and some of the things that you've learned on the the journey that you've been on.
1: Thank you so much, Robert.
0: Robert. Robert, Thank you very much. Thank you. The purposely relating Paul Barber and Lucy Widowson. Thank you for sharing your time and thoughts with us today. To find out more about Lucy and Paul's work, head to performance-edge.co.uk or check out their book, Building Top Performing Teams, A Practical Guide to Team Coaching to Improve Collaboration and Drive Organisational Success, published by Kogan Page. You've been listening to Highly Relational. Check out the show notes for more information about today's guests and the topics covered. We do hope you're enjoying these conversations and getting value from them. Do let us know what you think wherever you're listening or watching and feel free to follow me on LinkedIn to join in the online conversation. And of course, there's no better way to support what we're doing than by subscribing. The podcasting algorithm eats subscriptions for breakfast. I'd like to thank today's studio engineer at Spiritland Studio Kings Cross, Ed Gill, Post-production is by Sean Lawson and the series producer is Ella Halsell. I'm Robert Diggings. Thanks for listening and bye-bye.